and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines NXT Takeover Vengeance Day review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and available in podcast form later. Links in the description, or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.com for your latest wrestling news and whatever. And we've what have we just seen? As Adam Cole just ended the Undisputed Era. Uh, also, it's NXT, so black T-shirt logo slapped on it. Lovely. <laughs> and it's flipping freezing cold. It's been minus three today. So let's do this review in a t-shirt. I'm sacrificing my warmth for you. <laughs> but it was a hot NXT. <laughs> That'll warm me up. A hot wrestling show. That was, yeah, a Gemini great NXT. Just to kind of talk about it overall. I genuinely really, really enjoyed the show. From start to finish. From A to B. From, I don't know. <laughs> from the Dusty Tag Team Classic Match to Finn Balor Pete uh, Dunn. Uh, it just gave me a hot NXT feel. Personally, I've not had that feeling in quite a long time. That was nice to see. It's, yeah, it's a nice feeling to have that. To have that nice, warm feeling after watching an NXT show. Uh, Partway through it as well, which is white hot, and that's when they brought out the Eli Drake announcement as well, as in, like, properly showing him signing and everything. So you got your hot NXT show with a new NXT signing appearing on it as well to give you that kind of fresh feel that NXT normally always has after a takeover, that excitement. So, yeah, it's... Generally, was a great show, and I uh, I can't wait to go through it all. Really, it's only five matches, only like a two and a half hour show. It absolutely flew by. So nice, nice, easy thing to digest. Which I feel like I've been saying about WWE a lot recently. Where I think it is because we're coming out of that era where pre-pandemic, uh, maybe the like the 2019 especially might have been the peak of it, where the shows were so long and like unnecessarily so. Like, you get shows getting close to, like, three and a half hours that would, like, be pay-per-views without that insane story. But that's the same level of story that I'm telling, like, going into it. Because this is the B pay-per-view building to the big one. But they were still, like, three and a half hours. You're still getting those lengthy things. Uh, like, long for the sake of it rather than the point of it. Whilst this NXT show was like, oh, yes, it's perfect. Just a nice, digestible two and a half hours. Got five matches. You just bang through each one. That's perfect. 30 minutes each. Even though that's exactly 4 to 30 minutes each. But that's pretty much where you fall on. And yeah, that's... Because that includes all the videos in between. That includes the promo packages, the entrances. So when you get half an hour like per segment, it fits a nice, timely two and a half hours. Really, really enjoyed it. But the main event. Never trust an end of NXT TakeOver title card coming up at the end. <laughs> it's got the, yeah, the Avengers logo on it with the NXT with the trademarks. And yeah, never trust that. This time it coming up at the end of the match. I'll talk about the match itself in terms of the NXT Championship. It was Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. And the ending was all about the save in the post-match. And uh, this had it was a big match feel for this TakeOver main event. I feel like the card beforehand built up to it really well. Which is, in terms of like a main event feeling like a big deal, one of the kind of like big parts about it is uh, the, how the card builds to it. And this NXT TakeOver did a fantastic job of building to that. So a massive kudos there. Because, again, you don't want the card the matches earlier in the show to fully steal away from the main event. If you can have fantastic matches that still build to it, that you can feel the um, kind of the, the big match feel kind of... That feeling increases as the card progresses, and then you get to your main event, and it's at its height. Uh, yeah, it was... It wasn't a main event that was anything like anything else on the card, so I don't know how it's going to be received. But for me, I enjoyed it. I, I, especially as I could see where it was going to, and in the final stage, it went there, and the countering stuff was amazing. Uh, but first half, or, or maybe even first two-thirds, really, Dunn was applying unrelenting pressure to Bella's left arm, bending the chap's limbs, talking the poor lad's fingers, like grounding the champion down and completely dominating the opening minutes, like eventually building... With Finn fighting back and in and targeting the Brits knee, a it was a much slower paced match than what we'd seen on the rest of the show. Just grinding down, working on the limbs. Uh, yeah, the the limb game that Pete Dunne plays, where he's he is fantastic at it. <laughs> but so yeah, uh, my welcome to the live stream, my in the high pitched imagine my voice. Is that my imagine my voice? Because on the Twitch streams, I did scouse for him. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, that's relevant because grizzled infections <laughs> soon to be. <laughs> I, that was. I'll get to that much later. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Pete Dunn was like draining Balor, and he could. 
Um, you can you can see it happening <laughs> where he was grinding him down, talking all the different limbs and things. Pete Donnelly's amazing at that, and then Finn Balor in his fight backs was targeting the man's knee, like creating a weak point. Like both men were creating a weak point for later, and I loved it later in the match when that kind of came to fruition. Like really, the match picked up pace maybe like halfway through when it kicked up from them both kind of grinding down to they started like exchanging strikes. <laughs> it just got a little bit. Uh, a little bit more severe with what they were doing. You know, taking it in turns to take shots at each other's like created weak spot. Like Dunn striking the arm, Balor kicking the knee. <laughs> it's just like they take it in turns and that's how they got back into the hit offense. So like, yeah, they've, you've both created a weak spot and now you're both using it. Love it. Uh, but the Prince had momentum swing his way first thanks to a mighty backstabber. Quickly went to follow up with a coup de grace. Caught into a triangle by Dunn and maybe he'd gone a bit too quickly for the coup de grace. Because then Balor found himself getting the life drained out of him. The challenger switched into trying to hit the bitter end after noticing that. Completely drained the life out of Balor. Even said to the referee, look, look he's gone. Uh, Balor wasn't completely signing out. But Pete Dunne went to hit the bitter end. And then we enter the bit of the match the whole thing has all been building to. When you're going to hit counter after counter after counter. You're aware of the weak points. The weak points have been shown. <laughs> but you're in this string of counters. Because you know what moves are trying to hit next. One's trying to hit the 1916 or at least something so he could follow up with a drop kick or whatever. Pete Dunne desperately going for the bitter end. But Balor is countering and reversing him again and again and again. But finally, Pete Dunne hit the thing. But the champ kicked out. <laughs> After all that work, he kicked out anyway. Incensed, he tried to wear the man down. But the kick out had like amped up Balor, who was fighting back more and more. Constantly uh, countering each subsequent attempt to the bitter end. Even more counters, both men having to work hard as hell to hit anything. Eventually, Dunn lifted the Irishman up for the bitter end once more, but Finn slid out and hoisted the man up for reverse 1916. That's after Finn's already counted it into a spinning DDT, <laughs> or whatever newest things. Uh, momentum swinging, Balor pulled out Dunn's mouthpiece and swatted it away. Running drop kick right to Dunn's face, coup de grace and 1916 for the win. Such a run of <laughs> back and forth, edge of your seat, swaying in that final stretch. And yeah, yeah, I, I really like these final stretches. Again, I don't know how this match will go down because that first half of the match really was slow grinding. And it lasted like, I, I've blasted through it in the view, but it lasted like 10 to 15 minutes. It wasn't a short portion. It generally was like half of the half an hour match. And yeah, you could, or at least it felt that long, maybe because it was a slower pace. But yeah, you could really, yeah. So I don't know how it's going to go, mostly because the rest of the show, I was going to say a different point there, <laughs> gone away from it. But yeah, the rest of the show was like white hot from, like, from the start, especially the women's title match as well. That also started with a white hot pace. And this was slow to a crawl. And then everything that they've shown you over these 15 minutes then kind of kicks in in the final, kind of the, the point of all of that work then is happens in the second half. Uh, yes, I don't know how this match will go down. I personally enjoyed it. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. A solid main event at the end of a really high-level NXT. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a shame, really, because for me, the detractors from this main event were all of the, I'll say, production stuff with it being a lockdown-era show, as in there's no crowd. And there were multiple matches on this show. It was like, if these matches have been in front of crowds, you're looking at these becoming people's like favourite takeover matches, possibly, especially for the North American Championship match. I thought that was amazing. Or at least, like, uh, staple moments of NXT, which then kind of launched in the next era. But without a live crowd, it's, yeah, there's a lot as much to go on. And, for me, in the main event, piping in this is awesome chance, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> they did it twice in the match as well. It's like, oh, if you do it once, it's like, oh, you can have it. <laughs> like, they're, very, they're not normally timed to a point where you would expect they'd happen in a match. But, they, yeah... Yeah, still, again, it, the match itself was solid. That's not their fault. That's a completely different <laughs> department. The match itself was great. Yeah, but Finn Balor then got his celebration, posing on the corners, holding up his title. A kind of fingers just like, eh, because Pete Dunne does so much work on them and snapping them. Uh, there was one fantastic counter where Balor was going for something, then uh, Pete Dunne then just went into the armbar and uh, then to just properly just snapped them. <laughs> it was just like... Uh, it's one of those spots where, for me, it depends when in the match he does it, and that was just such a fantastic time <laughs> to do it, when he had the hold in and battle looked like he might escape, then sat him down, snapped the fingers. 
So yeah. Anyway, after the match, then Balor's walking backwards up the ramp, and I'm thinking, this has been a solid NXT takeover. There's something about it that just feels like you know when you, sometimes when you watch a takeover, it feels like there's that change in the air, and it's got, whatever you're seeing here is going to then build to what's coming at the next takeover. And when you're watching the show, you can start picturing what's coming next, like what is around the corner. And that could be nice. That can be exciting to see what's coming next to build into the future. I felt like they stalled a little bit over the lockdown era. Again, I wasn't a fan of war games. However, I bloody loved this show. <laughs> Thought it did a really, really good job. And I just had this feeling in me when Finn Balor was on the ramp. I was just like, this has been a solid NXT takeover. They've seemingly put this car together really, really well. The thing that would cap it off would be something after the bell. And that happened. <laughs> so, the whole thing I've been building to, a launch from Birken? <laughs> Lurken, I can still not say his name. Lorcan and Birch attacking on the ramp and uh, attacking Finn Balor in the ring. Pete Dunne joining into three on one. Shock the system. <laughs> Very British way of pronouncing it. Uh, yeah, Undisputed Era come out, even the odds, and they all so kind of slowly get into that line. Finn Balor feeling more and more comfortable having these men come out and aid him as they help him once again. He's standing in the line with them and uh, Adam Cole signals to do the Undisputed Era pose. And Finn Balor goes to point his fingers at the camera. But they're all in, he's not doing the Undisputed Era, but they are in tow. They are in unison. The logo comes up on the bottom right corner and super kick! <laughs> Adam Cole super kicks Balor and he just goes, flat down goes the champion. And I, I feel like, like, yes, I wasn't crazy where I felt like in, again, it might have been nothing, but it was just little looks Adam Cole was giving during promos. And I'm like, I'm on Night Raw. I'll be like, no, that's nothing. That's Kofi squishing a pancake. It's, it's not going anywhere. However, in NXT, you see that same thing. And again, it was one of my kind of critiques when I was around the end of year kind of talking about NXT, where it felt like these little things had fallen by the wayside, where it had become about... It become a bit too much about throwing stuff at the wall to see what they could stick. And I was just like, just use a lot of the stuff of old. It worked for a reason. Um, but it's nice to see they're finding a nice mix of the two. and Because I can talk about the stuff that I enjoyed in the past, and but that's not really going to move anything forward. You, you do need to incorporate the new and the new and the old to kind of together to find it. Like, what was the past and what will work now? Don't just do the old stuff. That's why Ashley Deere will never come back. It's not. It's not a thing. Tangent. Tangent alert. Wind it back. But yeah. Yes, the little detail of during the promos when it's especially the one I think from two weeks ago where Finn Balor needed a friend to help him and he went to Kyle O'Reilly. And it's just that thing of the cha NXT champion comes into the Undisputed Era locker room and they don't talk to Adam Cole. And it's just thing he was talking to Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole's acting all nice things. But whilst Balor was talking to O'Reilly, Cole just had a look on his face. And I was just thinking, there's something about that look <laughs> where I just feel like he's not comfortable not being the man. There was just, he's like, the fact that Finn Balor walked into the Undisputed Era locker room and talked to Kyle O'Reilly, <laughs> not Adam Cole. It wasn't Cole he was going after. And I was like, I don't, I think I said it on the review. Like, I don't know if I, it's just me, <laughs> but I felt like I did see something. And it was really nice to see that come to fruition here. Adam Cole signing for it. Finn Balor kind of joining in. Then he super kicks the man in the face. Kyle asking him, like, what are you doing? Like, what is what is this? Uh, super kick to O'Reilly as well. And immediately that's the moment where it makes you just go, wait, what's just happened to the Undisputed Era? Is this Adam Cole just ending it now? Is he parting ways? Is this the end of the Undisputed Era? <laughs> Has he just brought an end to it? Uh, but yeah, storyline reasons why. Adam Cole just could not be the guy. He could not be out of the spotlight. He was not comfortable letting Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly have his spot. Even though he was acting like he was, he never was. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yes, I like it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the promo is going to be. Be it from Cole himself or O'Reilly, all angry and stuff. He can't just let someone else have the spotlight. <laughs> stuff like that. That's what I expected. It's beyond Cole versus O'Reilly. Then Cole versus Balor. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I like. And the kind of babyface turn for Balor has been uh, gradually happening. We've had the Pete Dunne one here where he's properly faced, but still, I feel like it's a nice little swing of stuff that's happening. Uh, yeah, 
it's it's a nice it's a thing where I watch it happen and I'm like yeah they set this up yeah if you if watching it you see what's happening yes Marie what about Bobby Fish feelings what about Bobby Fish where is Bobby Fish is he injured I don't actually know I just obviously he's not been there for the dusty I call it the dusty cup era but yeah Fish hasn't been there did he get injured in war games or is he just not there. For other reasons, I know because Undisputed Era were not in the the I was going to say the Impact Zone. <laughs> they were not in whatever the this the arena's called for NXT. Um, they weren't in there. You know, the Cage Zone. <laughs> no, that sounds like a buying Cage thing. Yeah, they weren't. I was just weird trying to figure out which order to do the show in. Yeah, they were. I think. Uh... I don't think if I could remember when it was being last here, but then I realised that's going to lead to a really long silence. <laughs> it was doubly as bad for the podcast version, so I'll just leave it. Yeah, but yeah, solid main event, and you got your big hook at the end of the show, where you then go, "What's going to happen next? What is going to happen with the undisputed era?" But I don't know what it's like for other people. For me, it wasn't one of those moments where I go, "Oh, shock!" I was like, "I can't believe I never saw that coming." That it's not like the end of SummerSlam where they go, "You'll never see it coming." Uh, and that, afterwards, you're like, oh, yeah, generally didn't. Because <laughs> Roman Reigns came back as beard, what's his face? It's like, yeah, generally didn't see it coming. This one was me kind of just feeling, oh, yeah, they set that up. Oh, it's happening then. Cool. <laughs> Rather than a shock shock ending type of thing. Yeah. They set it up, and I spotted they were setting it up. But they didn't do it blatantly. That makes me feel good and happy. It's what I praise the, the AEW competition for. And see them both doing it. Like, oh, they even had the ramp. <laughs> he had the ramp to the ring as well. Uh, and especially if you're doing takeovers in the exact same building, it helps differentiate them. I'm all for that. So, yeah. Anyway, solid takeover, solid main event, solid hook ending. What else can I say? Well, I can talk about the rest of the show. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go through the other five match- matches on the card. I'm going to have a quick swig of water. It is 3am. Freezing cold water. Current temperatures like during daytime were like minus two, which for here is pretty bad. Uh, for Americans, you use you use stupid system. <laughs> Join the rest of the world. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. Uh, anyway, yes, NXT Takeover Vengeance Day live on Valentine's Day, twenty twenty one. Yeah, very smart calling it Vengeance Day because then you can have the V. And I loved. I like how they've got the for each different show they've got like a stage prop for it. Just like the days of old. For me, that's a massive thing. It's one of my like pet peeves with the main roster, where there just is no Murray drinking cider in the early morning. <laughs> me freezing cold water. So yeah, but yeah, with uh, the yeah, Valley got the V on the stage, and he's got the, like the devil a tail on it as well. Like a massive fan of that. Uh, just being on the stage it means that when the video plays, it's playing on a screen that's behind that that they kind of put one on top of the other. And yeah, it makes it, the whole thing feel unique. Uh, I'm a really big fan of it. And in case of the, what we have Finn Balor's entrance as well, it meant like the B of Balor on his logo was in the just above the V. I was like, oh, it looked great. I'm a massive fan of it. Yeah, yeah, more of that. I like it when it's it's a normal thing, but it's put on a put on a different thing, so it feels different. Even though you're, I'm still watching the same videos on the screen, uh, oh, sorry, on the stage, there's a different thing there, <laughs> which makes it feel. Uh, yeah, different. <laughs> but still, I... Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's the thing that they've been doing recently, NXT. I've uh, brought it back for all their different specials. And the fact that the main roster don't do it, and it's just all done on screens, and there's absolutely no differentiating between Monday night... Well, from... Ah, oh, damn it, 2-5 Live doesn't work anymore. But yeah, from main event to SummerSlam, there is no difference in setup. And personally, I feel like there should be. Just, but this is an example here with Vengeance. Just part of the logo is incorporated into the set, and NXT been doing that a lot recently, with them bringing back the older shows as well. And in your house, I think they started with the very first kind of when they realised they're going to be doing takeovers in close, much more closed settings, and they did in your house, and they brought back the staging set, and it was a massive hit. So yeah, it's, it's because it was weird to get rid of it in the first place. The only reason in my head I could think about it was cost saving measure, but also kind of creative saving measure. That said, as a viewer, the pay-per-view feels less special because the set's the same. So, yeah. Just a, just a minor quote. <laughs> just a minor thing. Uh, and AEW have come back and they've started doing it. And, yes, NXT kind of has become the de facto kind of 
uh, uh, I guess company brand going against AW. However, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be uh, personally because AW are hitting so strongly. The developmental isn't the one that's got to show improvements compared to the competition. Personally, that's like uh, AW seeing what WWE is doing and then changing dark. (laughs) Like, what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, like what? What is the point in that? Anyway, anyway, a yeah, a strong NXT, and I enjoyed the stage setup. It was nice and different. Uh, uh, Josiah Williams opened up the show with a Valentine's rap. Uh, yeah, set the tone really, really well. Uh, just to remind us, this is Valentine's Day, and yeah, it's the first takeover, twenty twenty one. It's Valentine's Day, and I've got some smooth rhythms for you. <laughs> Here's me sounding like I'm, uh, I guess, in his lop, <laughs> and here is the uh, quarter band with their new hit. Hit beat combo. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the show kicked off with a, a Valentine's rap, and the, then we smoothly transitioned into the first match of the night, which was the Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Final. I will say there were two rap videos during the course of the show, and both of them went down really, really well. And they incorporated it into the show at the perfect points <laughs> and set tones at, or follow, kind of follow through and goodwill kind of at the perfect timings. So, um, yeah. Good production stuff, NXT. But yes, we kicked off with the women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic final. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, Kai and Big Mama Cool versus Tank Friends. Or, they don't have a name. Do I call them Tank Friends? (laughs) Friends who ride tanks together. Uh, But yeah, friends who ride tanks together stay together. (laughs) It's a famous saying. Uh, Yeah, an interesting start after... Big, brave Shotzi charged straight at Gonzalez to little effect. <laughs> An interesting tact. I think that was their tactic. Just go at them and we'll wear them down by just going at them. But uh, the two lasses struggled to figure out how to deal with the stronger competitor at the start. You know, whatever they threw at her in that first stage just did not work. Uh, they were able to separate separate Kai though. Uh, Moon and Blackheart bringing that same intensity to her had them in full control. It taking multiple attempts till Gonzalez was able to swim back into the match. Then she went and lariated her own teammate. Damn it, Raquel. <laughs> uh, Ember flying high with an awesome... I was calling it DDT Zack attack, but I can't remember what uh, Zack Ryder's finisher was called where he jumps up with the leg. And, uh, yeah, like a reverse... Well, what's it called that Billy Gunn used to do? <laughs> but reverse ass. Uh, yeah, that fame ass, that's it. You reverse one of that where they stood up and does the leg drop on. Like, what's it called? <laughs> really irritating me. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome combo of that because they jumped up with the legs to Gonzalez and it DDT'd Kai. That was lovely. Uh, before nailing the eclipse on Gonzalez, but Kai was this time the one saving the match with the ref distraction, returning the favour for Raquel's attempts earlier. Big Mama calls resilience, keeping the team in play, holding on till her tag partner recovered. Double team by Ember and Shotzi, electric chair crossbody on the outside to Kai. Oof. <laughs> the, the story of our babyface is like being unable to keep both opponents down for long enough to secure the win. Uh, like, but to be fair, like the heels didn't have much better look either. Like an assisted GTK broken up by Ember Moon. Uh, yeah, did not have the look. I would also say, like, watching this match, you would not know that Ember Moon and... If you'd never watched NXT before, Rough Rider, thank you, bro. Is that, yeah, if you'd never watched NXT before, you came up to, came into this match, you watched this, you watched, came into this match, came into this show and you watched this match, you wouldn't know that Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart were the good guys in this match. Just the way it went down, they felt more the heels grinding them down and it was the baby face, and it was like the baby face Kiwi and Big Mama like, doing their best <laughs> to kind of fight back in, but... Uh, they yeah they they were the ones separated they were the ones doing their best and uh, trying to get the momentum back yeah it was odd because the, the main face ones grinding down it was it was, a, it was a strange one it still it still felt every action still felt within character it was just like mm, the, this isn't as clear cut like goody baddie this match it feels slightly the other way around with the way the momentum went however the ending came. After poor Ember Moon to let us know, by the way, there's a ramp. <laughs> Ember Moon would pay for breaking up that a go to kick, uh, a sit a go to kick combo, and she got dumped hard on the elevated ramp, then launched off it into the cage barricade, or the barricade, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it, the barricade. Then launched off the ramp into the barricade, and she's completely gone, and it's uh, Shotzi Blackheart doing her best to stay in the match. 
where Kel Gonzalez just breaks her down, power bombs her down hard, or, or the choke, choke, the choke slam, <laughs> as I've been calling it. Uh, Gonzalez and Kai make sure Kai leading on top of Gonzalez to make sure the pin is 100% secured, and we have our Dusty Cup winners, the first ever women's Dusty Cup winners. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez in a solid opener. And that's uh, yeah, that's how I describe this match. A solid opener, the the shirt, but it's for me like a perfect tempo kind of match to then lead to what was to come. Now, especially the two matches that followed, they elevated the show to such a level that I'm perfectly uh, watching the show as a whole. When I watched it, it was like, yeah, it's a fine opener. Like, I wasn't super-duper invested. Super-duper invested. I wasn't fully invested in the result. I didn't really... But I wasn't... When I say wasn't buying into it, I don't mean... I, w- I wasn't on the edge of my seat going, oh, who's going to win? I was like, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fine, yeah. Yeah, a decent opener. It was It was fun to watch. <laughs> and I love to have fun. Because <laughs> I'm just... I'm just, I'm just a fun guy that loves to have fun. I love having fun. Because having fun's... Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I love having fun. Isn't fun lovely? <laughs> oh, I'm ready to be a WWE character. I'm set. I've got my characteristics labelled now. Uh, tangent alert. Let's, let's come back in. <laughs> so yeah, it was a solid main event, and I uh, I'm all for the pyro going off on the stage as a list of the lift of the dusty cup, and they look ecstatic to have done so to have set that history. And I am just realising I haven't changed the image. Oh, I can do this. This is going to be great for the. Ah, oh, I can't find the thingy. Da, 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 da. Let's just get rid of all the different things. There we are. Lovely. <laughs> Chase the image just in time. Proof that I'd put effort in. Uh, anyway, generally really, really enjoyed that match. And I'm looking forward to what comes next. But I don't know if they get to challenge for an, I don't know what it was. Was it like a main roster challenge they get to do? Who knows? You get to do something. Uh, but yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah so, uh, my point I was trying to say before I realized I hadn't changed the image. <laughs> I... I'm fully in on like the pyro as it goes off, and it feels like a big deal when they win it. They're absolutely elated. William Regal comes out and gives them the, all the trophies as the pyro is going up on the stage. It feels like a big deal that they've won, and even though I repeated it for the second cup, it still felt like a big deal. <laughs> so give me them lifting it up in the air as pyro is going off around them, and William Regal's like, "Yes, yes, good job, good job, winners." <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, it felt like a big deal. Yeah. Again, the little production quirks in terms of like the unique stuff to this show. Because I won't say production quirks in terms of like the WWE things that are kind of ingrained in this. Again, like the piped-in chants. And yeah, I'm not a massive fan of it. But, but <laughs> the little things that were unique to this show, like the staging, like the kind of presentations of the Dusty Cup stuff. Yeah, great. And the rap videos as well. That's not the one I want. I've got to keep praising them because <laughs> they generally did get a laugh out of me. And especially if you've watched NXT, like you were rewarded for watching NXT by getting a good laugh out of Kevin Grimes late in the show. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next match, which is going to be definitely clicked on this time. It's Johnny Gargano defending the North American Championship against Kushida. And this match was bloody amazing. <laughs> really, 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 really. This right on my street. And especially so silky smooth. <laughs> really great stuff. And, uh, yeah, oh, to be fair, like quickly, uh, Loomis shenanigans from the off as Theory vanished out of thin air. And it is on the video as they're walking towards the entrance. Uh, Loomis just appears and grabs Theory. It's <laughs> just how he goes. Uh, yeah, just vanished as the way walked to the stage. And fully intending to have everyone out there, Johnny suddenly found himself on his own. Like, still fully confident and telling his friends, like, no, he'll handle Kushida alone. But still a shouldn't shouldn't shift of circumstances, Sean Connery. <laughs> this is what it did to Sean Connery, by the way. Uh, yeah. Off the bat, Kushida showed his intentions, going for the hoverboard lock immediately to send Johnny a little message. And having watched the rest of the match, uh, that was it really was a little message. He's like, I'm going to go for the hoverboard lock. Enjoy the match. <laughs> Which is pretty much what that was. Uh, when these two mat wrestle, it was at lightning speed. And uh, the challenger fully focusing on working Johnny Gargano's arm as Johnny Gargano tried to stay in the match like the champion forced to adapt with the damaged left wing. Uh, some great counter offense got him back in, but every part of the Japanese star's offense continued to damage the arm like an awesome duo of suplexes with Gargano's arm like hammer locked behind him. So when he got slammed, it was on the arm. So he's doing a suplex, but he's making sure to damage the arm again. Just continuously focused on it. 
and Johnny surviving on counter-offense <laughs> as Kushida was really going after him. Uh, blocking Kushida's attempt to flip him off the top rope into the hoverboard lock with a spinning suplex before bouncing off Brett's rope with a spinning DDT. Uh, just a sign of the level the champion was having to rise to to fight off Kushida. But the final third, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the final third of this match was absolutely amazing. Uh, chock full of like fast-paced, silky smooth wrestling happiness. <laughs> Rolling back and forth with neither man able to secure momentum. Uh, the damage to Johnny's arm showing... But Kushida too had been worn down to hell. It's like, oh, this was the type of thing where they start to rise as they're like striking each other. You can see just the wear and tear on them. It's like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and just I can't emphasize it enough. They were so silky smooth. <laughs> give me smooth. Give me silky. Uh, just uh, they're uh, when I say they're ground wrestling. I just mean it was so quick and so smooth. Yeah, it's just like a marvel to watch. Like, oh, my my street, and then they go. But that's like Kushida trying to lock in something and Johnny going out desperately trying to stop him and then counter with something because he's got to wear him down. But then Kushida's then going again for the... Oh, it's so quick. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Eventually, the challenger huffed and puffed and jumped backwards off the top rope into the hoverboard lock. Gargano so close to tapping, but his ring awareness saving him. Uh, the challenger just refused to let go of the hold, though. Uh, the champion having to charge the man into the barricade in order to get free and... Crawling to safety, Johnny lost where Kushida was, who charged down the ramp with a drop kick to the left arm. It was an awesome spot. Uh, sh shot really well. <laughs> really enjoyed that. Uh, back in the ring, Golgano once again fought back and used the ropes to twang Kushida off them. It was, certainly was unique. And uh, that was before he rolled the dice, knowing the pain he would go through. But would, it be an, but would the damage to Kushida be enough to win the match? He went for one final beat to Kushida on the ramp. The gamble being that in order to pull it off, he had to land on the damaged arm. So, <laughs> so if he didn't knock out Kushida, he was done for. And the gamble worked. The gamble paid off. Uh, Wade Barrett just selling on commentary as well that Gargano's probably going to have to have his arm looked at afterwards. But yeah, he sacrificed himself to fully take out Kushida. Johnny clutching the arm in pain. But Kushida looked completely out. A second, one final beat, this time into the ring. And the champion was able to follow up to retain. Gargano deciding to inflict more pain on himself in order to take Kushida down. And loved the ending. Loved how the entire match went. It was just... The way that it was flowing, that when I said it wasn't like on the edge of my seat, go, oh, who's going to win? Is he going to win? Is he going to win? I didn't feel that in the opening match, but in this match, bloody hell. <laughs> they suckered me right in. Uh, in terms of like what was my favourite match, it, was it this or like the men's Dusty Rose Tag Classic final that followed this? For me, even though there was some incredibly impressive spots, and both of the, don't get me wrong, both matches were absolute bangers. <laughs> they both absolutely slapped. <laughs> they were amazing. However, this match really sucked me in. And in those final stretches, they had me wanting Kushida to win. And as Johnny Gargano was fighting back, I could, you could see what he was sacrificing in order to do so, like the level he had to go to. So you're really impressed that Johnny Gargano was able to win. Because he didn't really use... There was no like dirty methods or anything. He just outsmarted the man. And like it just, he was willing to damage his own arm to win. Like Kushida like, like had wrongly gambled that Johnny Gargano wouldn't be willing to fight that deep. Because he's a dirty heel. He's not going to fight that deep. Ah, he is. <laughs> That's why he's the champion. Uh, yeah, really, really good match. Uh, if you are if you watch NXT takeovers for just your solid wrestling, um, which you get now and then, that, yeah, this is the match for you. <laughs> Check it out. Yes. Uh, personally, my favourite match of the night. Did a really, really good job of making you care about who won. And then you're really impressed with who did it in the end. Yeah. Also, yeah, so silky smooth. <laughs> it's just two men rolling about in the middle of a ring, but it's just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, on to the penultimate match to talk about. Because, again, this card is only five matches long, which is just, it's so easy to digest. You leave me wanting more rather than leaving me full. Surely that's the way to do it. But it was this time it was the men's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic final. Uh, MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans. Me being English, obviously, I'm a massive fan of Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, been a fan of Zach Gibson for quite a while. 
and then seeing them arrive in NXT UK and get that massive uh, push they got as well, that was awesome to see. And they've been seemingly high on him as soon as he arrived into the uh, NXT system. And uh, this is the Grizzled Doom Veterans' second time in the Dusty Rose Titan Classic. And uh, spoilers, it was their second loss as well. Third time's the charm, lads. <laughs> Third time's the charm. But the newly arrived MXK put on a showing because they've had like little showcases of what they can do. And it's like, it's more like getting a cross off, uh, we're athletic, or as uh, again said on commentary, they love to have fun. It's like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> stop. <laughs> That's not a characteristic saying that uh, that all these guys, they love to have fun, but don't not take them seriously. It's like, yeah, you don't know how to describe what they are, do you? <laughs> That's lazy writing. I don't know. It's a mixture of lazy writing or the writer not understanding your character when they describe you as that. So when, so when Vic Joseph says it on commentary, um, for me, that's like he doesn't understand, get what their character is, or when they've tried to explain it, or get it across in different ways. For me, there's been a failing of communication when you're just described as, oh, he loves to have fun. Now he's a two-dimensional character. <laughs> you're nothing to me. <laughs> now that is nothing I can get invested into. You know, I give me more than that. <laughs> more than loves to have fun. I was like, oh, okay. But anyway, as, as an NXT rant, as a not an NXT Takeover Avengers Day rant. Because there was nothing like this on the show. This was just quality stuff all around for me. Anyway, it was also nice to see two full-time teams in the Dusty Cup final. Like, it is a rarer sight than you think. And to see it here, it's like, yeah, it's nice. Like, it's a tag team tournament after all. And it is nice to see tag teams in the final. And uh, in this one, MSK, the new team on the scene, they were full of flash. Like, a Sasuke special and all in the opening minutes. Yeah, just do a Sasuke special. In the opening minutes, yeah, why not? Because <laughs> that's your baseline. And Grizzled uh, Veterans, more like no-nonsense, grounding one of the lads down in the ring and separating from the tag. And in that essence, it felt like they really were playing the role the Revival did in NXT, where there is that influx of hot indie, uh, kind of indie scene teams, and then they come to NXT and they show why they were so highly rated, and then the Revival were kind of there as that anti-indie, <laughs> almost. Just like, yeah, the no flips, just fists kind of motto. And Grizzled Veterans kind of fit that mould as well. It's the more ground and pound sensible stuff. But they're the perfect opposition to showcase a team like MSK. Uh, Wesley, Jesus Christ. Right, so he's a bit athletic, isn't he? <laughs> so, um, again, I am somebody who, fully aware of the Rascals beforehand, have watched them. I've watched Desmond and Xavier for, for a... I can't remember when he debuted. I want to say we were... I definitely remember watching him in PWG. But if I remember rightly... I've I've already already knew of him before then, so I'm a bit confused as to when. But this was a massive showcase for him, really getting to show what he can do. Um, I feel like because I've drifted away from the um, what's from the Impact kind of watching scene, just because there's so much stuff to cover, I just don't have the time or energy to cover Impact as well or watch them. So I've not seen a lot of their work in Impact, but again, I've seen the work elsewhere. Fully aware of them, and it was amazing to see him get this showing here. <laughs> this is a really show of how athletic he is. It was like the Wesley Showcase, <laughs> this one. Also, in my head, I'm still calling him Desmond and Xavier and Zachary Vents. I, when I look at Zachary Vents here, I'm like, what is your name? <laughs> I cannot get it. Like, come on. What, what, the other one's Wesley. I've learned that one. What is your name? <laughs> and then it's sort of like something Carter. It's like, ah, generic name. <laughs> That's why I can't get it. <laughs> it's just... I, don't, I can't even remember his first name. It's something Carter. I don't know, Chris. Let's go with Chris. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I'll remember it eventually. I'll get used to it. I remember going, ugh, when I heard Seth Rollins, and now I don't care. So, uh, anyway. And, yeah, Wesley flew high <laughs> with the hot tag. Uh, like, salting over the ring post at the outside before then s doing a springboard into a handspring Pele kick <laughs> back in the ring. Like, just to cement how insanely athletic he is. <laughs> just, yeah, this is just a normal spot I'm going to be doing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, after all the build-up uh, angst from earlier, where it was getting worn down, Carter then went to ground and pound Gibson, unleashing it all on the Liverpoolian man. At this time, the tag to Lee resulted in the opposite. Uh, Gibson fought back and countered that handspring Pele kick with a shin of his own. And held to Skelter and tagged to Drake for 450 wasn't enough. Lee getting to show off that perseverance as well. And assisted standing shooting star press over Drake to Gibson. Then a no-hand poison Rana from Lee to Drake. Again, just showing off. 
some um, athletically amazing fast-paced offense from MSK. And, uh, like, no fear, Grizzledon Veterans got their own back with a Suicide Dive Doom Day device. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Amazing offense of their own to take down Lee. Uh, Powerbomb into a backbreaker wasn't enough either. Carter staying in the, into it when Gibson returned the favor to shout at the kid's uh, face, like telling him he was in over his head. Uh, but that was enough to let Lee recover, that, that, that momentary kind of slip of focus. Let give enough time for Lee to recover and save his partner. A stereo super kicks. Carter attacking his partner in for the springboard into an assisted blockbuster for the win. And two damn fantastic matches in a row. This is when I really felt it. Like, oh, this takeover, it feels like the takeover of old. By old, I mean like a year ago. <laughs> but because time's been warped, it feels like it's been a decade. <laughs> it feels like it's been a really long time since I've had this feeling watching a takeover. Uh, but it's, again, yeah, time's warped. But yeah, this was a like kind of a white hot pace to it, and you're just constantly amazed at what Wesley can do. Uh, the, a fantastic showcase of him and the tag team moves they're doing as well, and of course, Grizzled Veterans, the perfect opponents for them. And just uh, yeah, you feel like it felt like in an instant the match could swing to the Grizzled Veterans way, and when they started hitting their string of tag team moves, like they were in trouble. But yeah, MSK kept staying in the match and. Not definitely Xavier. Wesley got his showcase, and uh, uh, yeah, and veterans themselves they kicked out of strong offense, like a spinal tap spinny thing from Xavier and Xavier was kicked out of again. Yeah, some an amazing match, so fast paced, like just moment after moment after moment, like a highlight reel of a match, and to have that after the last one, it's like yeah, I'm perfectly fine because like, each match kind of felt different to me, and that's a massive thing. That's something I've praised AEW for in the past. Where, yeah, you may not be a, f a fan of every single match on the show, but there's such variety, you'll like something. And this NXT, I felt like I had that feeling as well. I don't feel like it was as broad of a difference. Like, you're not going from Lucha style to Joshi to whatever, but in... Or, or like, super indie. <laughs> and then you got your Moxley brawl. Like, there was... It wasn't that wide of a breadth. However, like, they each played a different role, a different kind. You had a decent opener. Then you had your match that just really suckered me in. <laughs> and you really cared about the finish and the way they were doing it. It was Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. And, this was like, and then this match was a white, hot pace highlight reel. I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. It's the middle of the show. That is a perfect place for this kind of match. And then you move into your serious championship matches. Or, well, this again, it's Dusty Cup. you got your massive pyro moment with MSK. William Regal handing the trophy as the sparkles go off behind them. I've, I've played that down a bit. <laughs> They're a bit more than sparkles. But still... Yeah, fantastic match. And at this point, the feeling about this show is at an ultimate high <laughs> because it's built up incredibly well. It's just like, well, if the next two matches follow like this, we're going for an all-time kind of great feeling here. Well, I mean, I say that with TakeOver because I remember the feeling with TakeOver was, was like we're here with AW nowadays, but how come this next, what, this latest one is the best one they've done? And then you say, uh, continuously, <laughs> you say that all the time about TakeOver and now it's kind of like, oh, I feel like it's been a while since I've enjoyed it. I would say the final two title matches I don't think kind of fit properly in the build-up of the show. Like uh, after that tag match, the women's tag team match was never wasn't really able to live up to the pace that they set, and then the men's match slowed it right the hell down before then going white hot for themselves in the end. The women didn't have the time to do that; they did what they could. Uh, I feel like that's the, that's the only shame with it. Women for me, if they had more time, because this was a nice tidy two and a half hours. But then maybe we're too tired for the main event, and when the main event slows it right down, you're, you're in danger of maybe zoning out a bit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, fantastic tag team matches. And, yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that it followed Kushida Gogano as well, so the feeling is, like, it's such good will right now. <laughs> fantastic state. But before I get into the final match to talk about in the Women's Championship match... Uh, I've got to mention Cameron Grimes. <laughs> Great little video with another Josiah rap. Uh, a really, really well done stuff. Like, the fact that he's come into money. Cameron Grimes, he's a money man now. He's a rich He's a rich country boy. <laughs> I love the angle that he looked into a buttload of cash thanks to the whole GameStop thing. Like, he's, he's not a man of money, but he's found himself looking into it. And he's... Just watching him the entire time. The whole point is, he is not a man of money. He's not of. He's not a wealth man. <laughs> he's he's uh, seemingly just 
yeah, this this is not the world that Cameron Grimes knows. <laughs> and just seeing him in there, just, yeah. I absolutely love the character. Also, I was watching this video laughing, just thinking, imagine watching this without having seen NXT this week. <laughs> without, without seeing, having seen NXT, without having seen the promo for Cameron Grimes, where this whole video was kind of explained, where he talks about the whole GameStop thing and how he's looked into a buttload of money. And that's what the character is. Like, yeah, Southern Cameron Grimes. <laughs> and he's absolutely looked into money. Uh, yeah, I love that his character has done that. <laughs> it just, it, yeah, it's a little twist on it and I'm all in on it. Like, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if this could be a permanent character thing or if this could be like just a mini arc. That said, I thought the video was hilarious and there's something about the character now where it's, I just find it so funny. Uh, but like compared to EC3, where his character was, he is a man of wealth. He has, he'd been brought up in wealth and he just oozes it. He, he oozes that wealth. You look at the way he dresses, the way he lives, the way he holds himself. Like, he is wealth. Then you look at Cameron Grimes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not that. <laughs> Cameron Grimes is not that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's bring up the women's tag team. The women's match. It's the final match to talk about the show. Yes, I know I didn't change it for the tag match. It's half past three. Let me go. <laughs> Just let me leave. Uh, the NXT Women's Championship. Io Shirai defending against Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. Solid lineup when they're coming out for the entrances. Yeah, I was just thinking this takeover has been fantastic, and now we have these two title matches. Just moi, yes. <laughs> so again, I'm saying all this when I wasn't enjoying War Games. I even wrote a column about how I wasn't super high in NXT back in November, kind of end of year stuff when I was looking back over it. And obviously that means I get called an AEW shill. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, all the writers are getting absolutely awful. It's like, oh, they, uh, oh they're just constantly just praising uh, AEW and all they'll do is crap on NXT. It's like, look at me. Yeah, duh. <laughs> when the show is good, the show is... Uh, when I enjoy the show, I enjoy the show. Yeah, again, I watch both of them every week. <laughs> so it's funny to watch those kind of comments. Uh, anyway... Yeah, in this women's, women's match, uh, quick off the bat, as the state of the triple threat played into effect, uh, one person went flying, the other was there to capitalise or get capitalised upon, as folk got worn down throughout the match. Uh, early on, Io went for a picture-perfect moonsault to the outside, only for Martinez to dodge and launch her over the barricade. Smart thinking. But her plans to wear down Storm in the ring... Uh, in doing so, Mercedes didn't count for Shirai exacting revenge with a flying dropkick to end the suplexes. As I was saying, you focus... Like, a nice little pattern was emerging. You focus too hard on one opponent, the other one pops up to throw a spanner into your works. So no one really had momentum. Until halfway through the... Well, not halfway through, where... It was, that, that momentum, that flow, was uh, kind of building really, really nicely. So, oh, I'm getting, really getting into this, and every time someone tries something, the other one's there to stop them. If you focus way too much on one, then the other one is there. And, yeah, I really, really like that. Like, Mercedes Martinez focusing too much on Tony Storm, so then Io Shirai comes in and does the dropkick. Uh, Io Shirai focusing too much on Mercedes Martinez, so then Tony Storm comes in and then grabs her as well. And then focuses too much on her, Mercedes Martinez comes in. Those two focus too much on each other. Next thing we know, Mercedes Martinez is getting double stomped to the face. <laughs> like, it's just, I really liked that kind of flow and pattern they were building. But, unfortunately, it went from building to end. And I don't know if the flow of the match was completely ruined and if that ending would have flowed a lot better if a certain participant hadn't just completely collapsed and refused to play ball. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the opposite of I am the table to no, I'm not the table. <laughs> just giving up. I like all the different takes we've seen where uh, uh, Matthew or Botchamania saying that the announced table was just... Yeah, just Tony Storm scared the crap out of it. So just like, uh, someone else, I can't remember who it was. I was just saying, uh, oh, the table apologises. Like it's not, he doesn't normally go like this. He just, he just, he just thinks Tony's really pretty. <laughs> it's just uh, there's so many different kind of takes on the event that happened. Or I was like, or oh, Tony with a with the gust of wind takedown <laughs> to the table. Was like, yeah, I went with the I am not the table. It's <laughs> just imploding. Uh, yeah. Tony, she's just cleaning clutter off it. The announcer stood up, fleh, dead. Uh, but 
then was like, yes, we didn't get our big table spot, but what we did get was Io Shirai instead moonsaulting into them just to fly. No, they didn't moonsault, did she? Just splashed on down. I picked that completely incorrectly. Yeah, Io Shirai, she just jumped 15 feet off a support structure. All right, and. <laughs> So um, I'm assuming that spot was going to happen anyway, maybe even onto the table to crush them all. And then you got your massive kind of everybody's down period. Uh, here, it kind of went a little bit differently with Eo flying 15 feet down onto them, kind of taking herself out, but also grounding those two. But with Shirai down, that led to Storm kind of running over Martinez into the ring. Like Eo was the one down after that. Those two got back up and had a fight in the ring. Uh, Storm hit the Storm Zero. On Mercedes Martinez, they were going back and forth and she nailed it. It's like, oh, she's going to steal the win. Eo's down. Not enough. And she followed that up with a flying headbutt, getting a bit more desperate, using high-flying moves because she doesn't normally fly high. Nailing the headbutt, going for the cover, but we'll never know if it was enough because Shirai moonsaulted in and grabbed the pin for the win. A really... Oh, I don't know. It's a weird one. It was, it was still a solid match. I still enjoyed it. It just felt like there was a whole section missing. So it felt like kind of, it kind of jumped from solidly building to ending with like awesome moment for Isha Rai. Yeah, it felt like there was a section missing. Obviously there was, because <laughs> they weren't able to do whatever they were going to do with the table. And they kind of just skipped over it, went to the next bit. But uh, again, for me, that's fine. Don't do the... For me, it's a massive error if you then just go, well, let's just try and do it anyway. No, it's not going to work. Move on. Uh, yeah, they smartly they did the smart thing. There were veterans in that match. They know what they're doing. <laughs> it just yeah quickly moved on, but it did feel like it was a section missing. Didn't destroy the match. Didn't break it. It still it still worked. Still fine. Uh, it it did mean it's momentum wise just jumped a bit from one act to the next. Uh, there was there was your kind of switch like like five more minutes and this it would have been great. And for all we know, there were five more minutes. It was just planned around that table. Suddenly it it, it flumps <laughs> and there's nothing kaflump. So. I realised that phrase, like, I'm going to have to explain that one. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad would read a, uh, there's a Wallace and Gromit book, and I think it was like Wrong Trousers or something like that, I can't remember which one, and there's a moment where one of Wallace's machines, uh, it, it puts too much porridge <laughs> out, so the noise of too much porridge being put into the bowl, the book had it as kuflumpf. <laughs> so that's now a word that's entered my, as an adult, my everyday vocabulary is kuflumpf. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the explanation of that you could thank Wallace and Gromit yeah and my dad for apparently making us cry of laughter with the way he, he did it <laughs> so yeah <K-flump. laughs> yeah so that's a noise for something just <laughs> it's scary anyway there's one more thing to talk about and that's Eli Drake signing with NXT so again this was a kind of moment in the show where you're still feeling really high on the show and uh, it's kind of like off the momentum of what's come recently. And by the way, we've got this Eli Drake guy. It's like, oh, yeah, awesome. But it's called LA Knight now. Ah, oh, the NXT name generator strikes again. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, but this was a hot, a hot takeover. And then at this moment, you got your new signing reveal. It's like, oh, you love to see it. Like, it's been a while, Crocodile. Just, yeah, just, yes. A hot NXT. They have this announcement. And the end of the show is great, and you're like, you're like, there's only one thing missing. Oh, they did it. Oh, great. <laughs> just, yeah, just, it felt like an NXT of old because it had all the pieces to it. It doesn't mean this was an NXT takeover, like, 100% on the same level, because without a crowd, it's never going to be the same. There isn't that stuff elevated. But it, all the pieces were there, and this is kind of what I was saying about the NXTs previously, that there were things missing. It wasn't kind of all there. And it felt like there was something off about the takeovers from like the rest of this year for me. Uh, I mean, f- since the uh, since the lockdown, like I forgive in your house because that's like right at the start. They're still trying to figure stuff out. There were like there's zero atmosphere really. Uh, I won't ca- I won't count the robot fans <laughs> that era with the uh, studio controlled <laughs> production truck controlled robots. <laughs> like, no, I won't count. I won't count them. <laughs> um, yeah, like in the for this show, there were people in the crowd. And again, in terms of little things that took me away from it, uh, if you were somebody that was there live, I would say when you're on the camera side and you're just talking to your mate, uh, that's that's going to distract me. <laughs> Especially, and there was a part in the show where it was, I think it was, uh, I noticed it, the, I saw some people on Twitter mentioning it earlier, had, had happened earlier, but for me, uh, I saw someone say, is there something happening in the crowd or anything? And it just seemed like there were people there who were just disinterested or talking about but yeah when you have your studio controlled setting you don't have that issue 
you get them fully paying attention, banging on the on the barricade or whatever it is. But with uh, normies, you bring in us, bring in us normies. We might just go go at you, just stare straight forward, just like uh. <laughs> it's just, and that kind of happened. I noticed it with Balor and Dunn, where Balor and Dunn were doing that in that fifteen minute working over each other phase, where he's kind of slowly elevating over that period, and then he's going to click into gear like a minute after. Uh, during that period, that's when I again. I just happened to see on one of the shots there were just people kind of turning to the side and just like that talking to them. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm watching the wrestling. <laughs> just you're there live. So it does. It does. If you are there live, it does have that effect. Like no, like if you are turning away from it and talking to somebody, like I, that will distract me if you do that. And I felt like I was paying attention to what's happening, the action in the ring, in spite, as I was having to blank it out, like I was ignoring the fact that, I mean, it's happened when you go to live shows, it's a feeling where you're surrounded by people who are not paying attention and you're kind of just trying to ignore them and just pretend it's not happening. And it's like, no, I'm going to enjoy this even though they're putting on a thing and they're going to be clearly aware that these people aren't paying attention, but I'm going to pretend they're not not paying attention and just watch the thing. And pretend it's not a thing that's happening. Uh, yeah, just a minor little thing. I'll just point that out. I, I don't know if there is any direction given to to us normies, uh, but that's a little note. Yeah, yeah. If you are on the camera side, maybe pay attention. And yeah, you may feel yourself start to fray a little bit. But don't forget, you're on camera side. <laughs> it does affect. It does distract. Anyway, that is the end of the NXT review. I get to go to bed at a relatively early time. <laughs> For me, quarter to four is early. It's it's right. Yeah, it's all right. And that's nice because I've got to save my energy. Because next Sunday, it's the Elimination Chamber. Uh, live from the Thunderdome. <laughs> so we're going to be going uh, all the way to the main roster of WWE. Or f- further down the road to WrestleMania as we get our Chamber matches. And yeah, Monday Night Wars. Couldn't care less. Smackdown's flipping nailed it. Like the shows are night and day. I cannot, I I cannot state how kind of graining it is on me that I currently cannot review Smackdown, and so it does. It means the only show I kind of go in depth on is Raw. And so I want to put it out here. I'm using this moment, just using this moment here now, just to say, I'm if you if you just listen to my Raw review and it's like oh it's just it's just down on Raw. It's like oh it's moaning about Raw again. It's like it's just raw. I will just say, <laughs> I am really enjoying SmackDown. I just can't review it to get that kind of feeling out there. <laughs> it's just when my life settles down and I can do something on a Saturday for SmackDown, that's hopefully uh, it will balance out the bad with the good. And yeah, because for me, raw is in a state right now, but SmackDown is absolutely nailing it. It's one of those where you watch it and go, "How are these the same company?" <laughs> it's just. Uh, yeah, you, uh, Elimination Chamber as well, you'll see it. The SmackDown match is just so much behind it. And, and and excitement and it feeling fresh, whilst the Raw feels stale and kind of bland. Like, there's not much momentum behind it. It's the same match we've been seeing for ages, for years, in a way. And there's no kind of freshness to it at all. The phrase I'm using is stale. That's kind of how the Chamber feels. Even though Drew McIntyre's in it as a kind of new face, every one of his challenges is just a... Like nobody knew, <laughs> it's, all, it's 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 very flat feeling, which scares me a bit for WrestleMania, and the fact that Miz is Money in the Bank is like it doesn't excite me at all. Like there's no intrigue or interest in him becoming champion. Uh, that said, let's talk about NXT. <laughs> NXT Vengeance Day, thumbs up from him. Really, really enjoyed it, and that's, it feels really good to say after I was I was down on War Games. I saw people enjoy War Games, uh, quite a few really. Uh, but for me, it it just didn't hit at all. I just didn't get into it, and I, I wasn't I didn't I wasn't really into the build. And when the show came about, I just wasn't invested. It's like this feels strange for NXT. And by the end of the year, I saw that still happening in December. I was like, hmm. Like I can see seeds maybe being sown, but for good things. But for what had happened in the build to War Games for me, that kind of showed maybe they won't hit though. But Vengeance hits, flipping hits. <laughs> Fantastic to see. Uh, and it's great to see Pete Dunne elevated as well. A British lad getting getting that title shot and that big match. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, 
So thank you for listening and watching. I'll be back on Tuesday for the Raw review. Please don't be too bad. And I'll be back next Sunday for the WWE Elimination Chamber Aftershock. But what did you make of NXT Vengeance Day? Hit me up on Twitter at the damn Implicat or watch me on Twitch at the Implications. Implications with two S's. Also, with wrestling headlines, uh, all the stuff's in the description. Yeah, the, the like the Facebook page, the like the Twitter feed, all of that stuff. Uh, it really does help us out. Uh, subs- yeah, subscribe, click the bell, rate the five star, depending on what you're listening to. <laughs> all of that jazz. Whatever you've done, thank you. Any form of engagement is great. And uh, yeah, uh, like it, dislike it, doesn't matter. Engagement's engagement. That that's that's good. I mean, it helps dictate whether good or not. But you know, engagement's engagement. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That's that's one thing we'll have is even though I can say. When I post my NXT column, I got a load of comments calling me a shill. <laughs> uh, because I posted a column about not particularly being into NXT, it means I'm totally being paid off and I'm an awful writer. That said, it's still engagement. <laughs> so, still brings traffic to the column. So, thank you for that. <laughs> and the more engagement, the more it gets plugged, like, plugged higher on Google, meaning that uh, more people will see the column. Thank you for the moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, I bid you adieu. And uh, I don't know if... It, actually, has Hustle put out an immediate column? I just realised I forgot to... Pl- I normally plug that, but I forgot to check before I went live. And he does. He does have an immediate column. Yeah, go read Hustle's immediate column. He posted it right now. He didn't. He posted it right now when it ended. Now it's after that. <laughs> yeah, Cullen's column has been posted. Uh, anyway, yeah. Thank you for listening, watching, liking, whatever you've done. And with that, I'll see you on Tuesday. And I bid you adieu. Adios.